So we're in the Proverbs. We're in a series just walking through various topics in the Proverbs, the book on wisdom. Uh, there are a few wisdom books in the Bible, but this there's sort of a this is kind of a the quintessence. It's the aphorisms that we put on the fridge, the fridge magnet verses, the way that life typically works, the fabric of the universe type stuff. You want to learn how to live well? Well, here it is. Well, today we're talking on parenting. And, you know, this um, this whole this there's a sense in which the whole book of Proverbs is a book on parenting because it starts off by saying it's a fa- it's a father writing to his young son, which is one of the reasons that he spends a good chunk of the first third of the book, the first 10 chapters, warning the son against the uh, the seductress. It's not that men can't seduce women. Of course they can. It's that he's writing to his son. He's saying, beware, man, don't waste your life. It'll drag you down to hell. So there's a sense in which the whole book of Proverbs is on on this topic of, of parenting. It's advice of a parent to his son. But it's interesting, before we jump into just a few of the myriad texts on on parenting, I just want to point out, in ancient books, uh, beginning position was more important, I would say, than, than it is in, in books today, in general. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I mentioned the beginning here. It's a father to a son. He starts off by saying the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I preached on that a few weeks ago. It's the foundation stone. And he spends a lot of time talking about the adulteress. And that's that's a huge temptation for young men is that sexual temptation, the, the lust uh, of the eyes and um, sexual temptation. There are lots of different types of lusts. They're not all sexual. But uh, but anyway, so the beginning is super important. It, it folds out into especially starting in Chapter 10 into just life, life wisdom that covers the gamut. Right. But the ending of this book is super important. The fact that that Solomon or whoever wrote the ending uh, chose to a lot. Now, a lot of these Proverbs are from Solomon, not all of them. Uh, so I don't I'm not sure who wrote chapter 31, but that is how the book ends. And it, it's really important. The last that's the last word on the subject. And we don't have time to go into the significance of that. PhDs have been written on on just that just that one chapter and why it's there and why it ends the the book that is sort of the the, the quintessence of wisdom in the Bible. But, hey, it's a book on parenting, and what does the guy end with? What does the book end with? You would think that it would be sort of a last bit of advice, a block bit of advice to his son or to kids or to parents. It's not what it is. It's, it's, it's an encomium. It's an encomium to his wife. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, it's a pay-in of praise to the godly wife, to the virtuous woman. That's really interesting. Now, in a book on, let me just extrapolate a little bit. I'm not going to unpack that chapter, chapter 31. I'm not going to. But let me just extrapolate a little bit and say, in a book on parenting, what does it tell you that it ends with nothing per se uh, pointedly on uh, on parenting, but of a husband about his virtuous wife, his godly wife? What it tells us, what it tells me is that the love of a man for his wife and his esteem for his wife, for a godly wife, is integral to parenting. It's integral to one of the things that is so important to loving our children and to disciplining them well, which most of the Proverbs that talk about parenting talk about discipline. We're going to get to that in just a second. But it's integral and and kind of counterintuitive for you to love your kids well 
you have to love your spouse well. And especially the husband needs to love his wife because that's where it all starts. That's the tone setter in the house. If the husband loves the wife, typically the wife will love the husband. She's the moon. He's the sun. She reflects his love. He's the pace setter. He's the head. He is charged, not the woman. He is charged, Ephesians 5 elsewhere, to love his wife as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. Husband loves the wife. Wife loves the husband back. Kids feel loved and kids will be loved if that happens. A lot of, lot of families get that backwards. It's easy to love your kids because they come from you. Your wife doesn't come from you. Your husband doesn't come from you. You pledge to them in a covenant of marriage. That's your word. That's your bond. God is a witness. There were other witnesses there. It's important to prioritize marriage even over your children. God first, spouse second. Praise your wife. Honor your wife. Serve your wife. Love your wife. This is sort of the, a lot of the implication of the positioning of Proverbs 31 at the end of this book on parenting. Is that if you love your kids first, if you put your kids in front of your wife, in front of your spouse, you're going to have major problems. I've seen a lot of families that did this, and it's not good, where the parents are good to the kids. They're good parents, per se, but they're not good spouses. They don't love their spouse first. They love their kids before their spouses, and things get messed up, man. The kids feel it. They do not. The older they get, especially, the more they know something's out of whack. They don't feel there's an insecurity there because they came from their parents loving each other. That's where that's where kids come from, right? When you the husband loves the wife, the love wife's the wife loves the husband and that's where children, the fruit of the womb come from, from that love. So if you if you stop if there if that love isn't there, then that's a threat to the kids very existence. So God first, spouse second, kids third and then and then the world, right? And then everything else. Um God's house and the lost. So I just wanted to say that starting off, it's a really interesting position, all right? This this refers to rightly ordered loves, to use a phrase from St. Augustine. I call it trickle-down love, uh, riffing off of trickle-down economics, right? Ronald Reagan's trickle-down economics, right? Love God, and then you'll be able to love your spouse, and then you'll be able to love your kids, and then you'll be able to love everybody else, okay? So now, with no further ado, um, jumping into just a, a, sm- a few, a smattering of the verses, the many, the many verses that are in the Proverbs on parenting. And most of the, ver- the verses on parenting are on discipline. Let me just ask a question to you. Don't just take that for granted. Why is that? There could have been t- uh, just a I said miasma, just a plethora, an abundance of advice from all sorts of angles on parenting. There's, I mean, books have been written on all sorts of things. But most of the most of the commands, most of the commands are about disciplining your children. Isn't that interesting? Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think that's the case? It's because, among other things, kids are little fools. Now, that sounds offensive to you, maybe. Because our culture, our culture worships youth. And our culture doesn't believe in original sin anymore. Okay, that's long gone. So our culture looks at little, and we call them little angels. And God makes them cute so you don't throw them out the window, right? Um... That's their protective mechanism, the big eyes, the, 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 uh, the, 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 um, the soft, round, puffy cheeks that you just want to kiss on, and well, you should, right? Um, no, the, the, these, my, my professor called them vipers and diapers, right? Vipers and diapers. They come from you, but they come dead on arrival. Ephesians chapter 2, we all do. We're born opposed to God. We're born selfish little creatures. I mean, think about, you don't have to teach a kid how to say, mine 
You teach a kid to say, teach a kid how to say yours. You know, teach a kid how to say no. If you teach a kid how to say yes and how to share, um, that's very, very, very hard, right? We are self-centered creatures, not because God made us that way, because sin perverted us that way. And so we're born in Adam, opposed to God, and we were made to revolve around God and to look to him and to worship him and to serve him and to serve each other and to be outward focused. But sin curves us inward on ourselves, and we think we're the center of the universe. Every kid is born that way. So not only do we need good behavior, discipline is to lead us to the Lord, which leads us to trusting in him and in Jesus, who is the, our Savior. And that is to lead us to the second birth, which faith brings us into a new birth. We have to be born a second time. The first time's not good enough. So we're little fools and we need to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined. And it's not just about behavior change. It's about being born again through faith, faith in God and despairing of our own capacity and despairing of our own goodness. That's ultimately where the Proverbs are leading us, put within the canon, a larger, a larger context of the Bible that they're put into. But let me just read a few Proverbs. Proverbs 3 verses 11 and 12 says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Now, hang on. What does that imply? It implies that we will despise his discipline and be weary of his reproof. In other words, when, when we feel the hand of God on us, when a kid gets a spanking, they think you hate them. We do the same thing with God, who is our father. Man, if he's putting us through the ringer and life is hard, you can guarantee if you're his child, he's using it to discipline you. He's using it because he loves you. He's using it for a good purpose because he knows what you need. And he's burning out certain impurities in your life. But we typically, our reaction is, I'm weary of it and I'm despising it. In other words, I hate it. You don't have to like it. He's not, the proverb's not saying be a masochist, enjoy pain. He's not saying that. But it's saying, don't despise it. In fact, value it highly. You know, one of the other Proverbs somewhere else says something like, um, Does a, I, I, let, a, let a wise man strike me or let a righteous man strike me and I will bless him. In other words, I want the rebukes of people that are wise and that are good because they're, they're helping me. They're helping me. A fool is the one who doesn't learn from rebukes. Right. We should love discipline. We should, you know, the, the, the best athletes love discipline. They, that's what coaches are for. They love work hard workouts. They love um, being taught how to do things better and not to do the things that are keeping holding them back. That's all discipline. It's all pain. But they know it's making them better. And that's what this proverb is saying. Don't get weary of it because your tendency, your proclivity is going to be to get freaking tired of it. Go read Psalm 73. Don't get tired of it. Have the vision, which is what happens at the turning point in Psalm 73. Have the vision to understand what the second part of this of these verses. Don't despise it. Don't be weary of it. But what? Proverbs 3.12. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. There it is. As a father, the son in whom he delights. You know what? Discipline is a sign is a sign of delight. Let me just camp out there for a little bit. What the Proverbs are saying, probably more than anything else, the other thing they're saying is discipline keeps your kid from hell, okay? Uh, I, I, want, I want to preach one day, maybe this is as close as I'll get, a sermon called uh, Spank the Hell Out of Your Kids. It's a, it's a pun. I don't mean it sounds horrible, right? And that's the point. You're supposed to scandalize people. 
what it means is that's an exposition of what the proverbs are saying is your child is heading to hell he's born dead on arrival he or she is a little fool what discipline does is it drives foolishness out of the child it it keeps them from death from destruction from self-destruction and hopefully from hell that's the ultimate goal is to to help them to see that they have they have a loving father in god who also wants to discipline them and to and to embrace them and to lead them to him and to see them made more like Jesus. So, but but without discipline, that's not going to happen, right? I mean, the cross is discipline, right? All right, so we're getting ahead of ourselves, but um, but the discipline comes from delight. I mean, who, do you spank the neighbors' kids? No. Well, do you love them less? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's because you love your kids most. You prefer them. You care, you're invested in them. You care about where they're headed and how they're going to turn out that you discipline them. Whether it's spanking or not, it could be discipline isn't just spanking. Let's be very clear about that. You know, there are lots of different forms of discipline. Spanking is one of them. I think there's too little loving and appropriate spanking today in our culture. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, I think kids are wild and kids are undisciplined and kids need good, loving faithful, consistent discipline, including sometimes spanking. We're going to get to that. Um, but discipline is a sign of delight in the good parents. And God is the best parent. He is. There's no non-goodness in him. There's no shadow or sign of turning. He's pure light. He's pure goodness. He's pure wisdom. And he's pure power. And everything he does, he does perfectly, including his discipline. And that's what Hebrews 12 is all about, right? In other words, let me let me... Hebrews 12 is all about this too. The converse of that is, if God's not disciplining you, he hates you. And I know that's unpopular to say, but go read go read Psalm 5, other places in the Bible. Um, God's just hatred of sin, which sin takes us over, right? It applies to the sinner, right? So um, if he if he gives, the, God's ultimate, he discipline, if he's disciplining you, it's because you're his child. He's invested in you. He loves you. Um, and if the worst thing God can do with you, and this all translates to us as parents, is to leave you alone. And that's, there's something that should be a huge alarm for us because in America, our chief virtue, the chief thing that we're all about is, is being able to have the freedom to do whatever the hell we want to do, to do whatever we want to do. Just stay out of it. Don't tell me what to do. Stay out of my way. I'm not bothering anyone else. Let me do what I want to do. Total, we call it freedom. But in the Bible, that's a disaster. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, Paul says, he uses this phrase at least twice. God's judgment on, on people who deserve, who are just embroiled in sin and rebellion, is not that he disciplines them. It's that he gives them over. Paul says this twice. In verse 24, I think it is, in verse 26 of Romans chapter 1. So he gave them over to all their desires. You just go do whatever the hell you want to do. And guess what? It leads you straight to hell. Um, God's discipline is his intervention in our lives and his investment in us. He disciplined even his own son, Jesus. Not because Jesus had any imperfection in him, but to complete him. To complete him and take him along the path that he would, that he would have to tread to save us. Because Jesus was and is fully human. And he learned what it was to submit to his father, even in even in his discipline. So we are aligning ourselves with and joining the company of our savior. 
when we receive the discipline of the father. Um, when you don't discipline your kids, it feels like you're loving them because spanking them or taking away a freedom is, is hard. It hurts them. That's what discipline is, right? It applies pain in their lives, makes them cry, makes them mad at you, makes them not like you. I don't like being unpopular with my kids. So the temptation is to not discipline them. Guess what? What do the Proverbs say clearly? We don't have time to go into all the verses. You want to check them out? Check them out. I'll read them to you in a second. If you don't discipline your kid, the Proverbs say very clearly you hate them. You want to hate your children? Don't discipline them. Do you want to love your children? Discipline them. Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, just read them. Proverbs 4, 10, 13, 24, 19, 18, 22, 6, 22, 15, 23, 13 through 14, and 29, 15, and 17. Those are just a few of the many that, that speak about this. Now, I guess just a quick word on how to discipline well. Um, this is an elaboration. The Proverbs don't get into these kind of specifics, but they touch on all these sort of elements. And this is, I was uh, not raised perfectly. Nobody, nobody was. Um, but I was raised by parents who, who loved me well and who disciplined me, I think, really well. Um, some of it paid off, some of it didn't. I'm still learning lots of hard lessons. But my dad in particular disciplined super well, partly because he's mainly the one who did the discipline, which I would say, moms, you're at the house more typically, not always, not trying to be sexist here, but typically the mom's in the house more than the dad during the day, um, not always. And so typically, maybe because of that, we'll do more of the discipline. But I want to encourage dads. I think part of good discipline is for the dad to be the head disciplinarian. And that's what happened with my parents. My mom would discipline us some, spank us some. But a lot of times what would happen is she would, she would say, your dad's going to spank you when he gets home. And so what happens there? A bunch of stuff. One, she's not spanking us in anger. Because a lot of times you're, you're, you're disciplining your kid because they deserve it. And you're angry because whatever they've just done to deserve the discipline, you're ticked. You're pissed off, right? So don't ever discipline in anger. The kid can sense that and it spoils the whole omelet. It ruins it. They have to know that you're doing it out of love, not anger. Not because you're mad at them, because you love them. So if you do it in anger, they sense that, and that's not that's no bueno. Okay, that means not good for those of you that don't bless on y'all. Okay, that was a joke. Um, so one of the things that it does is you tran the wife says, okay, dad's gonna do it when he gets home. It it the dad's not angry when he gets home. It's the last thing he wants to do. So he's not he's not angry. Number one, he's calm. Number two, it shows that he's the head of the house. It's one of the many things that shows that. Um, it shows that he loves his children. It shows that there's communication. This is super important. I got this as a kid, even when it was never explained to me. Kids, G.K. Chesterton said, education is implication. Kids, kids get what's implied down in their bones. So it was never spoken to me, but I got that mom and dad were a team because mom, what mom told us, what mom told dad, he didn't feel it, he didn't see it, but if she said, hey, Taylor disrespected or disobeyed, those are the two big D's for us. We've got immediate spanking if we disrespected mom or another adult, and if we disobeyed, okay? Of course, hitting is another, um, and that's a form of disrespect, but, and disobedience. But uh, disrespect and, dis and disobey, Taylor, Taylor sassed me, or whatever it was, and uh, so he gets a spanking, and then dad would just say, okay, I, I trust you. So there's a trust there that you see between mom and dad. There's a partnership, that's really important. And then dad would, let's get into more specifics, more brass tacks, he would, he would sit us down calmly. He would give us, it's important to give a speech ahead of time, Here's why you're getting the spanking. If a kid doesn't know why he or she's getting a spanking, it's not that helpful. Okay, it really, they need to know. You need to take time to sit down with them and say, here's why 
I'm disciplining you and I don't enjoy this. I hate this, but I love you, so I'm doing it. They need to know all those things every time. And then it has to hurt, man. If you, the kid doesn't cry and wail and scream, I'm not saying get a belt and just go to town. I'm not saying that. Usually it's once or twice for me, pop, pop. But the sting, whether it's my dad would get a switch sometimes on the legs, sometimes a wooden paddle, sometimes he'd take off his Naval Academy ring and spank us with his hand. I prefer not to use the hand because I have to hit real hard uh, to, for it to hurt. And, I, and so the, the spoon, the wood spoon is good for me because it provides a nice sting. And again, you may, you may do timeout, you may do something else, but it has to hurt them. It has to be something they love that you're taking away or you're applying pain, okay? If it doesn't sting, whether physically or, or metaphorically in some capacity, it's not doing anything because they have to be demotivated to do the same behavior in the future. Otherwise, you're hating them because if, because like, I don't want to get spanked again in this way because it's stinking hurts. And I want to avoid that pain in the future. That's the effectiveness of discipline. If it doesn't hurt, all that's gone. It evaporates. So remember, I spanked one of my kids once and my sister who's older and she and her husband are wonderful disciplinarians. Uh, and that, what I mean by that is they're very loving and they have great boundaries and they're great parents. Uh, is she said, I didn't hear any crying. And this is like, we were two rooms away. She's like, I didn't hear any crying. I was like, well, that's because the, the kid didn't cry. She's like, well, not effective. So I think I went back and did it again, but the kid has to hate the spanking. So actually when you, you're not doing it out of anger again, if you're, if you can't have any help or you're a single parent or whatever, can't wait, wait, let some time go by, cool off. Don't spank, don't discipline in anger. And if you can't not spank in anger, then do something else, right? Take something away, send them to their room, um, uh, take away a privilege, ground them, whatever it is. And so, and sometimes it can be like, Hey, look, discipline can be a, a positive thing, right? Like, um, Okay, here's here's the here's the what I'm going to give you if you do all these things and then oh you don't do these things I'm going to take this away, right? So you're not going to get the thing that you're going to get. So there are lots of ways to discipline. And the rod in the Proverbs when it speaks of if you spare the rod you spoil the child. Rod, yes, it can mean literally a, a rod that you spank with, but it can mean it can be metaphorical, right? Discipline. If you spare discipline, you're going to spoil your kid and you're going to ruin their lives and and they're going to head they're going to be heading to hell, right? There's a reason that the the, the out of the 10 commands, the middle command that ties together the ones that go before it about loving God and the ones that come after it about loving your fellow man. And there's a reason that the fifth commandment in the middle that is a bridge between loving God and man is honor your parents. When you honor your parents, you're obviously honoring a person, but you're honoring God. At first, your parents are essentially what you know of God. So if you are tra- if you're taught to respect and honor your parents and you love them, it's probably going to transfer to God and vice versa, right? So it's so important. Um, I'm not going to say a whole bunch more because, uh, oh, sorry, let me finish the brass tacks. So you spank your child, it hurts. You got to have the conversation out. You got to get the hug afterwards, the physical, the physical contact. I love you um, so much. I've made sure the underwear were down for the kids uh, when they were little and then when they're older, especially for my daughters, it's back on, uh, but uh, the pants got to come off, but the underwear stays on for propriety's sake, but the sting, the sting has to be there. Um, but then they, they pull the pants back up and then they hug you and you just let them cry on your shoulder and hug you. The sweetest hugs are after discipline. There's a reason for that. They know that they're being loved and you tell them, I love you so much. Come and hug me, have that reconciliation and restoration and, um, and just have a good hug. 
and have and have a little talk afterwards. And then they just they just scurry out of the room so happy. I've never I've never not had that be the case. I have had that be the case only when I don't I don't I don't discipline right. I spank out of anger or something like that, right? Okay. So make sure there's no shame. Take care of that. I love you so much. Here's why I'm doing it. Um, all right. Kids want discipline. They'll never tell you that, but they want it. They need it. Um, the Lord reproves whom he loves. And so do you kids get that right. All right. So discipline is a result of delight. Now I read the other, uh, Proverbs to you. You can look them up yourself. I'm not going to just for the sake of time, unpack them. Um, you know, back to back to the fifth in Exodus, uh, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy, is it five? Uh, back to the fifth commandment that holds together love of God and love of man. Uh, it's, it's the first commandment with a promise, right? Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Wow. So long life, the promise of long life. Now, this isn't sort of a... It's not saying, hey, if you honor them, guaranteed you'll have it. It's just saying this is the way things work. If you learn to honor your parents, the authority figures, the main authority figures in your life from an early age, it will bless you and it will lead to prosperity and length of life, typically. And that's true. We tell our kids, uh, especially when they don't tell the truth, that the, we punish the most harshly and quickly for not telling the truth. Because we say, we literally say, you, it will ruin your life. You will go to jail. You will lose everything. It'll ruin your relationships and you will die an early death. You might think, well, that's overboard. No, it's not because it's true. We want them to know no matter what, even if it's to your hurt, you tell the truth. All right. So again, 1918, let me just read one more verse and then close. Um, 1918. These these proverbs put put dis, the importance of disciplining kids in stark, almost shocking language for a reason. They want it. They want to drive home the importance of disciplining your children. Because again, as a loving parent, your you you your need your reflex is not to. You don't want to because you love your kids. You don't want to apply pain, but not applying pain when they need it is to hate them. To be a willing party to their death. Listen to this. Proverbs nineteen eighteen. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Hmm? Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Wow. In other words, to not discipline your kid is to be a willing party to their death. Whew. I don't know if you can put it more starkly. It, it, the Proverbs do because they talk about you're basically sending your kid to hell. Okay, You're keeping your kid from hell when you discipline them. You're sending them to hell if you don't. That is intense. Um, boy, I've seen, I mean, kids today, I'm, I won't even say it, but I've been around a bunch of kids recently because of... Um, some coaching I'm doing. And I mean, these, these kids, they're young and they are out of control. You know, part of it's because they're young, but part of it's because they're not disciplined. I guarantee you. And think about the kids are so, they're, they're so cute. These little girls, they're so freaking cute. I love them so much, but they are, they are completely unruly and not all of them, a lot of them though. And I just think we've missed the mark in discipline today in the church and out of the church certainly um but god disciplines whom he loves and uh you think about like a little you know a little kid you know they're cute they're yeah but would think about if they were a giant they wouldn't be cute they would destroy 
everything in their path. They would wreak so much havoc. Why don't they? Just because they're little and they don't have the capacity yet. But if you enlarge them, make them 20, 30, 40, 50 feet tall like a King Kong, think about how much damage they do. They're, they're, the, that evil has to be driven out through pain. That's what God does with us. He did it even with his own son. There was no evil in his son, but even his son was subject to severe discipline. Yes, partly because of his vicarious nature. He took, he took our sin upon himself. He carried our burdens and sorrows. But also because he, as a human, had to learn. And he submitted to the rod of the Father. Um, you know, closing this down and taking it to Jesus, uh, again, ultimately, we look at Christ hanging on the cross for us. We look at the fact that God himself subjected himself to the discipline of the Father, even though he was perfect. And, and he knew that he was experiencing the Father's perfect love. And, and, and in taking our place, he endured not love, but the wrath, the just and perfect wrath of God against our sin to pay for our sin. And he became that sin. He took it into his bones and soul. Because sin wraps itself into our very soul. It becomes who we are. We don't just sin, we are sinners, which is why God can justly and has to justly hate the sinner and ultimately destroy that sinner forever if that sinner will not turn to him through his son that he has sent to save us. So discipline is everything. Um, we are his children. He sent his son to adopt us in love back into the family. Uh, disciplining our children is gospeling them. Talk to the heart of your of your children child's behavior, not just the not just the um, outward behavior. You know, you did this, so you're getting a punishment. But have a heart talk every time with them. Why do you, why did you do this? Let's trace that down to the heart, and then let the discipline of the father with you uh, trace that down too. Why did I why why did I explode in anger? Not just oh I got to stop being angry, but why am I angry? It's probably going to lead to some wounding. Trace that down. Have the Lord deal with your heart. Ask Him to open you up, and to help you deal with that stuff in community through His Word by His Spirit, and He indeed will let Him let it take you to Jesus. Um, okay, God bless you.